many of you would say your family's not perfect? Anybody willing to? Yeah, none of our families are perfect, and certainly our world is not perfect. We've learned that in a whole new way over the past several months. Um, But just because we're not perfect, just because our families aren't perfect, doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for them. Uh, Last week we talked about his ideal and how while we are affected by sin, we'll never be perfect, we'll never completely reach that ideal, we still strive for that. That's the goal. We want to be in the process of being perfected in Christ. Uh, There was two businessmen traveling. They were coming home from a a business trip. Uh, They didn't work together, but they ended up on the same plane together, ended up speaking with one another and getting to know each other a little bit. They get off the plane, and they walk to baggage claim together. And one of the the men, his family, sees him from... A distance from a little ways off, they notice it's their dad, and they start running and screaming, Daddy, Daddy, squealing, Daddy, Daddy, two kids running towards him, his wife. Uh, they, the kids get there, and of course, just about tackle him. They're hugging him. They're tugging on him. He hugs them back, gives them both a kiss. His wife, he hugs her, gives her a kiss, uh, says he's glad to be home. The kids are still squealing. He turns to them, hugs them again, and the guy that had been traveling with him said, man, you would think that you had been gone for a long time. And he said, well, I have. I've been gone two days. And the guy that traveled with him, no family, says, you know how I wish, how I hope to one day have a family like that. The man with his family looked at him and he said, don't hope, decide. Decide to have that type of a family. You know, hope isn't going to get there. Having that kind of a family is not something that just happens by chance. Having that type of a family happens because you decide to be the husband, the father, the wife, the mother, the child that God has called you to be, to fulfill the roles that God has given within that family. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're in a new series that we started last week on Mother's Day on the family, and we're talking about God's plan for the family. Don't hope, decide for a great family, to have a great family. And I think that's good advice for all of us, advice that we need to follow. Uh, you don't just stumble into that type of family. And whether we're talking about roles or any, any step along the way in this series, we're going to find out that there are things that we have to do to become the families that God has called us to become. We make a decision to follow God's plan. Uh, last week, we looked at the blueprint for the family, right? We looked at, at God's uh, the designing, creating, and designing the institution of marriage and what that is supposed to look like. Yes, we looked at the ideal, uh, what that was in, in its perfection, what God's plan was. And while none of us are perfect, and this is the second part, our series is called Our Imperfect Families. None of us are perfect. God still has a plan and a design that he wants us to follow. And so as we go about this series, we're going to learn some practical tools and some biblical truths that will help us become the type of families that God wants us to be. Today, we're looking at roles within the family. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at roles within the family. The, the family faces all kinds of challenges. Even without pandemics, the family faces challenges, right? 
I mean, there, there are challenges that we face that are unique to our situation right now. There are challenges that we face every day as we attempt to be the people that God has called us to be, the families that God has called us to be. Um, even in the midst of those challenges, as we're reminded how imperfect we are in those challenges, even in the midst of those challenges, God is the answer to those challenges. The problems that we face, the challenges that we face, Jesus Christ is the answer to those challenges. And again, in this series, we're going to learn some truths, some biblical truths and some tools that will help us become what God wants us to be. The goal here in this series is this, to develop stronger families and to become become stronger in the family of God. So listen, regardless of where you are, whether you're at home or you're here, uh, where you are physically or where you are in terms of your family, if you are married and have kids or you're a widow or a widower or you are single and you haven't gotten married yet, you're still waiting for uh, Mr. or Mrs. Wright or you're called to be single, regardless of where you are, even though we're talking about families, there's something in this series for you. Again, these truths that we're going to learn can be applied to different situations, but also, hey, even if you're not called to have a family, or maybe your family, your kids are grown, and maybe you're living by yourself, or, or whatever the case may be, you may be called to serve a family. And so some of these things you can learn and use to serve other families. You know, we, we always need to be careful of approaching God's Word with the sole perspective of what's in it for me. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Some, sometimes we need to look at it from the perspective of how can I use this to help other people, to serve other people. So our goal is to become stronger, yes, in our families, but also in the family of God as we serve him. Dave Roper said this. This is a quote I read last week. No one's home is so good that God is impressed by it, and no one's home is so bad that God cannot set it right. I mean, no matter how good your family is, there's room for improvement. And no matter how bad your family is, God can, he's the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems that your family faces. We are not perfect. Our families are not perfect, but God has given us a plan to help us. Now we're going to look at roles in the family. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. And before I start, let me just go ahead and say, let's get it out of the way. Verse 18 is a controversial verse in our culture. Uh, It's very controversial. Maybe, uh, possibly the most controversial verse in all of Scripture, and probably discussed more than any other verse in Scripture. So I want you to promise that you're, wherever you are at home, if you're here, that you're going to hang with me until we get through the end of this, okay? Don't form an opinion yet. Let's walk through it together And then we'll look at God's truth. But let's just do a quick outline of our text today. Verse 18 deals with the Christian wife. Verse 19 deals with the Christian husband. Verse 20 talks about children and their role. And verse 21 talks about parenting. Now we're going to spend more time on the first two roles, husband and wives. We are going to talk about the kids briefly because next week is all about parenting. Next week is all about parenting. So we're going to spend a lot of time on those first two roles. But before we get started, we need to understand who Paul is writing to. He's writing to Christians, to Corinthians, in the Roman city of Colossae. 
And again, these are followers of Christ, and he's talking to them specifically in chapter 3 about how to live in the world. What does it look like to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian in the world? As I go out and live my life as a follower, what does that look like? And so when we get to these verses, we see what this is in the context of as a follower, because You know, I'm not going to make a difference in the world until Jesus Christ has made a difference in my heart and in my life. Uh, This he's speaking to what we're supposed to be, and then he he turns to the family, and again he's talking to Christian families. He's not talking to uh, families that are not followers of Christ. He's talking to Christian families and what it means to be a Christian in a Christian home, fulfilling your role in the Christian family. In verses 18 through 21, these are people who know Jesus. They're not just religious people who believe in God. These are people who know Christ as Lord and Savior, who have chosen to follow him with their lives and are surrendered to his lordship over their lives. These are individuals who have made a decision to follow Christ in every area of their lives. And we're going to see that the family is what God says it is. It is to function the way that God says it is to function. And that when we as members of the family follow God's design for the family, we will flourish. Even though the family faces challenges, that we are not perfect. We are not fully what we intended to be when we submit to God's design and fulfill the roles that he's given us in the family, we find fulfillment. And we're going to talk about how these roles bring fulfillment when we fulfill them as godly wives, godly husbands, godly children, godly parents, wherever you are in, that, in those categories, or even if you are single by yourself, these characteristics can be applied to your life, many of them. So uh, just to be a uh, good gentleman, we'll start with the ladies, okay? Ladies first. Uh, Verse 18 begins with ladies. Stick with me. Here's what we see in verse 18. This is number one, family fulfillment. Godly wives are willing to follow the servant leadership of a godly husband. Godly wives are willing to follow the servant leadership of a godly husband. And this is 18, that controversial verse. You know, one study showed that that 70% of Americans do not like this verse. But thankfully, God's word is not a popularity contest, and we don't have to go by public opinion. We can look at this and really understand what it means. Look at verse 18. Wives, be submissive to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So what does this really mean? Because I, I guarantee that at least something you've heard about this verse, or maybe all you've heard about this verse, is, is not what it really means. Something somebody said to you, how they've interpreted this, is not an accurate understanding of this verse. The Bible says this in the sister verse in Ephesians 5, verses 22 and 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. The word submit is so distorted in our culture, especially as it applies to this, it There are a lot of people who believe that 
that in the Christian church, because we believe this verse, that it promotes uh, chauvinism, that men are just Neanderthals with a club in one hand dragging their wives around by the hair with the other hand. And that's not true at all. Uh, in any way, it's not, it's not true. Um, but culture uh, takes this verse and, and, and makes it mean that and gives the idea that even some who believe, believe it or not, that we would promote abuse of women because we believe this verse is accurate. And so it would do us well to understand. In, in 1998, the Southern Baptist Convention, there was actually a motion from the floor to strike this, this wording from any of our documents, anything that we printed and said that we submitted to. And, of course, it was, that motion was struck down because we don't white out the Bible simply because, or parts of the Bible, just because we don't understand it or don't, don't, don't get all there is to know or even we don't like it. Right? I mean, we don't just pick and choose what we accept from here. We either accept all of it or none of it. Uh, but there are those who do want to do that. They want to strike this verse completely from God's Word because they don't understand what it says. And, and, and if you are a believer, believer, maybe you've had a conversation about this or you've talked to somebody, maybe been at lunch with somebody where they bring this up and you didn't really know how to respond and how to explain it. And maybe you've never really had a, a proper understanding of what this verse means. And so if that's you, we all need to understand this verse and be able to explain what it means. And so, can we do that? Can we explain it? Well, let's, let's first look at who this verse is talking to. Verse 18, it's talking, to, it's talking about a born-again woman who her number one thing in her life is to submit to the Lordship of Christ and to follow Him with her life. So to be surrendered to Jesus. Verse 18 is talking to a Christian woman who is married to a Christian husband in a Christian home. This verse isn't talking to the world. It's talking, again, the context here is how to be a Christian in the world. To live for Christ and in the home, what's my Christian home supposed to look like? And so talking to a Christian woman in a Christian Christian home, married to a Christian husband, it does not say women submit to men. Period. It's not a blanket statement here. This, this is saying wives submit to your husbands. A Christian woman, a born-again believer, surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, married to a Christian husband, a believer, and who willfully submits to her husband. So let's look at what this verse is not saying. What does this verse not say? Well, because there's a lot of confusion about this. Let's look at it. Um, first of all, it doesn't mean that a wife is inferior to her husband. Okay, don't, If anybody's ever told you that, don't believe that. This verse is not saying that wives are inferior to their husbands. It has nothing to do with intelligence and giftedness. I want to tell you right now, I know that my wife is a lot smarter and a lot stronger than I ever have been. All right, And she's proven that in, in a lot of different ways. It's not talking about intelligence. It's not talking about giftedness. We have different gifts, different abilities. It's not what it's talking about. It also has nothing to do with being equal. Different roles, yes, but it's not talking about inequality. Both the husband and wife, we talked about this last week, are equal before the Lord. Matter of fact, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And we're accepted at the foot of the cross. 
It's not talking about being unequal. Every person, men and women, are loved by God. Look at Galatians 3.28. There is no Jew, Greek, slave, or free, male or female. You are all one in Jesus Christ. Not talking about difference in equality. It's talking about different roles. Different roles, but equal before God. This verse is also not teaching that the man, the husband, makes all the decisions. That's not what this verse is teaching. That, that you are a dictator in your family. Not, not at all. You're not making all of the decisions. I mean, there are, more, there are some decisions that Mandy's more qualified to make about life in our family than I am. So I'm going to seek her advice, and we're going to make those decisions together. It's a partnership. The man's not the dictator. That's another thing. Uh, it's not teaching that, that he, he is a, a dictator who, if whatever I say goes, that's not what this is teaching. Or that the man is always right. Now, ladies, you could confirm that, right? Your husband's not always right, is he? Um, I think I got an amen from over here for the first time in two months. An amen from the front row. Um, but it's not always teaching. It's not teaching that I'm always right and that whatever I say goes. Uh, it's not teaching that the man has the right to do anything he wants to you. So wherever you are, if you're watching today, and you're in an abusive situation, do whatever it takes to protect yourself and your kids. Tell somebody, call the sheriff. This is not giving your husband the free reign to do whatever he wants or even to say whatever he wants, to make whatever decision he wants. That's not what this verse is teaching. As a matter of fact, this word submit is a military term. It means to fall under, to fall into your role. Every person has a different role. And different roles have different functions. Yes, there are leadership roles. There are some roles that aren't leadership. But there are different roles. It's about God's role and function for the Christian wife in a Christian home married to a Christian husband. Not unequal, not unworthy, not inferior, not less intelligent, not less spiritual, not less gifted, not any of that. It's about function Enroll. This verse teaches us three things. It teaches us about support, respect, and following. So let me put it this way. Verse 18 teaches this. A woman who is a born-again believer willingly supports, respects, and follows the loving servant leadership of a godly husband knowing he is going to be held accountable. Let me read that one more time. A woman who is a born-again believer willingly supports, respects, and follows the loving servant leadership of a godly husband knowing that he is going to be held accountable. The Bible teaches us that we are all to submit to each other regardless of whether you're male or female. Ephesians teaches us that. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another. We can look at Philippians chapter 2, where Jesus gives the example where if anyone submits to another person, they are following the example of Jesus Christ. There is, there is a sense in which when we submit, we are more like Jesus. We are all called to submit. And verse 18 says that it is fitting in the Lord. That means that the wife is ful fulfilling her position as God intended in the Lord. It doesn't say fitting to the world or to the man. It says as is fitting in the Lord. It means I'm not doing this because I love my husband. Yeah, you, you do and you should. I'm doing this because I love Jesus 
and I want to follow his plan for my life, and that includes in my home. I want to fulfill the role that he's given me within the home. So that's half the story. Let's look at the other half. Verse 19. Number two, family fulfillment. Godly husbands will sacrificially love their wives. Godly husbands will sacrificially love their wives. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Love your wives, do not be bitter toward them. Again, the sister verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The rest of these verses, verses 25 and 28 in Ephesians, talk about the, how the earthly union of husband and wife paints a picture of Jesus Christ the relationship between he and his bride, the church. It's painting a picture, uh, or the, the Christian marriage should paint a picture of that. And the great, the, the, the great thing about that is we get a glimpse into the relationship that, that Christ has with us, but also what this is saying is, husbands, the greatest gift you can give your wife is to love her the same way that Jesus loves the church. The greatest gift we can give our our wives is to love her the way that Jesus loved the church. Now, you have to hear me, ladies. The world is so busy choking over verse 18 and, and misunderstanding verse 18 that they never get to verse 19. It's a big deal. Verse 19 is a, a huge deal. And I, I want us to understand just how radical verse 19 was in the day and time that Paul wrote this letter. Huge. Go back to the the Roman Empire, the day that this was written, to this church in Colossae, the city itself. In that day and time, women were considered a piece of property, not an individual, something to be owned, not something to love sacrificially. As a matter of fact, Women were expected to be 100% completely faithful to their husbands, but husbands, you could be with any woman you wanted. All of the advantages went to the man. None went to the woman. Women were not considered important, were not even considered valued individual citizens in the Roman Empire and in the culture of the day. And so when Paul writes this to these Christians in Colossae, and he says, husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church, it starts a revolution. I mean, people are, you can hear the gasp when they read the letter. I mean, it's completely turning what they had been taught and how they had grown up on its head. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Consider them Important, consider them as equal. I mean, it is a complete about face from everything they had ever been taught. And so, in this day and time, in this culture, it is an absolute revolutionary statement for Paul to say, Husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. Matter of fact, it's an absolutely revolutionary statement to even say, Husbands, love your wives faithfully. I mean, this is completely different. I mean, he's saying women are not second class. Women are not a thing, a possession to be owned. He's saying women are valuable. They are equal. 
equally created before the Lord. Yes, different in different roles, but equal before the Lord. We have a responsibility. Husbands, we have a responsibility to care for and love our wives, to be faithful, to serve our wives. Look at that word love. Love your wives. Two things I want to point out about verse 19. One is this, love your wives. It tells us a few things about our relationship, our responsibility as husbands. It it, it means to love her with an all-giving love, not a give-and-take love. Yes, in a sense, marriage is give-and-take. Both of you submit to one another. Um, But in terms of how I love my wife, it is everything. I mean, she is, I love her. It's an all-giving love. It's not how I'm going to love you, what are you going to give me in return? You know, or I'll love you if you love me in return. No, it is complete and total, all giving love. We give, we give, and we give, and then when we're done, we give some more. That's the idea here, all right? Also, it's not about self-satisfaction. It's about self-sacrifice. It is how can I sacrifice to make sure her needs are met, to make sure that she knows that she's loved, that she's cherished. It's also about removing myself, not just self-sacrifice, but removing myself from the picture altogether. Okay, I, I, I'm not thinking about myself at all. That's the idea here. In, in Christ, your number one interest is the best interest of your wife. Your, your first love is Jesus, and, and, that is, and, and your wife is, is second to that. All right? In life and in Christ, your number one interest is the best interest of your wife. So you remove yourself. You love Jesus first. Outside of Christ, your number one interest is your wife. This is selfless, serving, sacrificial love that gives all. And in the original language here, it's in the present tense. So it means you keep on doing it. Each day, you keep on giving, you keep on loving, you keep on serving, you keep on sacrificing. You you continue to do it every day, day after day after day. It is never-ending continually loving, giving, serving. You give and you give. It's not just on her birthday. It's not just on Mother's Day. It's not just when you're trying to be intimate. It's every single day, day after day after day, self-sacrifice, giving all of myself. That's the idea. That's the intent in saying husbands love your wives, but also husbands love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. And this is the type of self-sacrifice self-sacrificing love that we see in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, verses 4 and 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. Selfless love, sacrificial love. And the only way, men, the only way we can love this way is if it's Christ loving through us. It's the only way it's going to happen. We can't do it on our own. All of us humans were selfish by nature to begin with. But husbands, if we're going to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church, it's got to be him loving through us. Love your wives as Christ loved. So how does Jesus love? Well, he loves with a sacrificial love. For one thing, when you think about it, Jesus willingly gave every drop of his blood so that we could be forgiven of sin. He gave everything. He sacrificed himself completely so that we could be saved. It's a serving love. 
Jesus took the form of a servant. Matter of fact, he took the form of the lowest servant in the house when he washed the disciples' feet. He was doing that to set an example for us as followers of Christ. But when Paul says, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that's what he's, he's talking about, taking the form of the lowest servant, serving your wives. It's a sensitive love. You look at Jesus and his ministry and, and how you've related to him, hopefully, in your walk. I mean, he is, yes, he is God, he is holy, he is separate, he's the righteous judge. But when you see how he deals with people, he's caring, he's compassionate, and he's kind. For those who turn to him in repentance and ask for forgiveness, he gives it. And he cares for. And even those that hadn't been saved yet, he met a need and then showed them their greatest need, a physical need. He cared for them. It is also a secure love. Jesus said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, I, there's, there's no more ironclad promise than I'll save you and I will keep you and I will keep you until all of eternity, throughout all of eternity. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And, and our wives should have the same sense of security from us. That they don't have to worry about us ever forsaking them, ever leaving them. And guys, we need grace. Again, we can't love this way, but Jesus can love this way through us. That's the first part of verse 19. Look at the second part of verse 19. Do not be bitter towards them. Now, why, why say that? Well, verse 19, as with all of Scripture, is intentional. I mean, it's there for a reason. Uh, because... And why he adds this, why Paul adds this, is that, let's first look at what that word means. It means, for one thing, bitter, what you would think a sour taste, all right? It's the idea of, a, of having a sour taste in your mouth. It also uh, is like a, a screeching noise, kind of like fingernails on a chalkboard. There's a, that's the other meaning, the idea that's, that's carried here. And it also carries the meaning of a sharp point. So, Here's what this is saying. Men, don't use bitter words, loud screeching words, or sharp words toward your wives. You treat them with respect. Because here, here's what can happen. You can have somebody who's Mr. Nice Guy at church. He's the president of politeness around in public around his friends. And to talk to anybody that sees him out in public, he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But then when he gets home... He speaks to his, his wife with sharp, bitter, hateful, screeching words. Because men can be wimps that way. We can go home and take out our frustrations on our wives and instead of being consistently who we say we are in public. So what this is saying is, don't do that. <laughs> Treat your wives the way Christ treats his church. Don't, don't speak to them in bitter, sharp hateful, screeching language, but treat them with respect. Here's the best quote, ladies, before I get to that. So the, the, there's the men. We've covered these two verses, right? So, so men, treat your wives with respect. Love her the way Christ loved for the church. Self-giving, sacrificial, giving love. Give, give, give. And then ladies, the Bible says in these verses, the responsibility for the spiritual leadership of your home is not on you, it's on your husband, okay? He's the one that's going to be held accountable. That's why you look in these verses, and with Ephesians, the sister verses, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the responsibility and the weight that, that this carries. Um, the responsibility, now, men, we have to fulfill that role. We've got to step up and do that. But the, the, the responsibility of the spiritual leadership 
of your home, the weight of that is on your husband. Here, and here, here's the quote. Probably the best quote I've ever heard about this is from Cynthia uh, Head. She said, submission is ducking so God has a clear shot at your husband. Because <laughs> in a sense, seriously, that's what this means. It is, okay, wives, you submit to your husbands. All right, now husbands, get ready. Here's your responsibility as the spiritual leader of your home. And the spiritual condition of your home, you're going to be held accountable for that. We have to lead the guys in the crosshairs. So let me read a summary of these two verses, all right, before we move on to the last point. A man and a woman who are submitted to the lordship of Christ first, they both love and serve the Lord. In this situation, a godly woman will have no trouble supporting, respecting, and following the loving servant leadership of a godly husband who sacrificially and selflessly serves her and loves her the way that Jesus loves the church because she knows that he is accountable to God for that. In, in the home, roles functioning as they should, it honors God and people's needs are met and I find fulfillment in that. So let's move on to the last two verses that we'll look at. Family fulfillment, children are ready to listen and carry out the par- their parents' instructions. Children in the family, the Christian home, children are ready to listen and carry out the instructions of their parents. Let's look at verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Obey your parents in everything. Now, this isn't talking about babies, even toddlers, because they can't understand uh, like, like older children can. This is talking about children, about young children, adolescents, teenagers. In fact, if you're living in your parents' home, this verse is, is talking to you, okay? Uh, wherever you are, if you're living in your parents' home, it applies to you. This is teaching that children, that we need to, that, that children need to listen, they need to heed, and they need to obey the instructions of their parents, Okay? So in a sense, what this is saying is it doesn't matter what you do in Sunday school. It doesn't matter what you do in, in, in children's ministry. It doesn't matter what you do in youth ministry, Highway 56, whatever, when we're functioning normally and whenever that'll happen again. It doesn't matter what you do in those settings if you don't do this at home, if you don't listen and obey your parents. It doesn't matter what you do anywhere else. Just like if I'm a husband and I, I, I treat my wife terrible at home, it doesn't matter the image I give off in front of other people, okay? So teenagers, this is talking about if you are living as an older teen, um, talking to children, but also teenagers, older teen, the, the, the simple truth is a child or a teenager who rebels against their parent, who doesn't listen to the authority of their parents, doesn't follow the rules, the authority of their parents, eventually they're going to reject authority in their lives. Because to reject the authority in the home is to reject authority of God, ultimately, because that's how we learn to respect the authority of God. Again, everybody's got to be functioning in their roles as they should, but that's how we learn to follow authority. Obey in all things, for this is well-pleasing to God. What about a family where the parents do not please God, where they rebel against God? What about a home where parents do awful things to their kids? Well, I could point to uh, several areas, Acts, some other places where the Bible talks about please God first, okay? I'm not talking about a situation that's dysfunctional. Again, we're talking about 
Christian homes. And even in those situations, you deserve to be rescued from abusive situations wherever you are. And you need to tell somebody. Get help. Tell us. Let us help you. But the point here, again, Christian homes, roles in the home, people obeying the Lord. And when that happens, it's pleasing to the Lord. A child loves God and wants to please the Lord, so he obeys his or her parents. Look at verse 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. Um, you know, so children, yes, we are to, they are to obey our parents, but we as parents have a responsibility to our kids, right? Uh, to, not, to encourage them, not tear them down. And this is fathers and mothers, both parents. Proverbs 1.8, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. So both parents. Why does verse 21 of Colossians 3 say just fathers? Because remember the context, remember the roles. The father bears the responsibility, the greater responsibility of the spiritual condition of his home. And he, he knows that if he fulfills his role and his wife submits to him, that both will fulfill this role, will accomplish this purpose. And, and what this is saying is, parents, we don't exasperate our kids. We don't berate our children. We don't uh, tease them or, or pick on them to the point to where it's harmful to them. Um, we don't beat them down so much to the point to where they say, you know what, I give up. It's impossible to please my parents. That's what this is saying, is that we do not exasperate our kids. Parents, here's the point. The way we treat our children is to display the way God treats us. We are his children. And so we want to treat our kids. Yes, we discipline our kids. To not discipline is to not love. We discipline our kids, but even that's done in love. We treat our kids the way that God treats us. Our children, they don't belong to us. God lets us have them and raise them, but ultimately they belong to him. Um, our kids are his. I mean, he creates all of us. We are all his children, and they are a gift. So the way we treat them should model the way we treat, uh, the way God treats us. That's in all of this. Now, we're talking about roles, and Brother Jim, I've asked him to come today. He's going to be my object lesson for today. No, I'm not going to saw him in half or anything like that. But our children's minister, Brother Jim Graham, is going to come help drive this home a little bit. We're talking about different roles in the family and how we function in those roles. So I'm going to let Jim explain to us, hopefully a little more, how we can accomplish this purpose. Hey, as um, <clears throat> I was thinking about this activity this morning, I was thinking, okay, how many of us have gone to a restaurant somewhere? How, how many have gone to a restaurant through all this? Okay. How many has had to go pump gas through all this? Okay. All right. How many has had to go buy groceries? Okay. How many's had something wrong at the house and you've had to go somewhere to get something to fix something? You've had to go somewhere. Okay. All right. How many just said, okay, I can't stand the four walls anymore. I got to go somewhere. Okay. <clears throat> so as we've uh, listened to all the recommendations and we've listened to news reports and we've just been bombarded over and over again of everything that we're supposed to be doing during this time, uh, we've all made choices. We, we've all made choices. Some of us is like, you know, I, I wash my hands pretty regularly, like clean hands, you know, so I'm okay, all right? Go out, <clears throat> I'm pretty good. Hey, you know, first few days, it was like, mm, I'm fine. Uh, I, I'm just going to go on ahead and do what I need to do. 
But then it starts getting a little bit more serious, and you're like, well, you know, I, I think before I go through that drive-thru and get my food, I think I'm going to put a little bit of hand sanitizer on my hands, you know, and make sure it's clean before I go and eat my hamburger or whatever in the car, all right? Uh, I'm probably pretty sure you all been familiar with this as well. Uh, might go to the gas station. I'm like, mm, I think I might wear, wear some gloves today. But on my hands, you know, there's been a lot of people at these gas pumps, I know. All right, so you get a little bit more protective. Then you got choices kind of like, well, you know, when I go buy groceries today, I think I'm going to wear my face mask, okay? I think before I go in there, I'm going to put this on, protect myself a little bit more. Now, it might change your choice of what you want to do, especially if you're behind somebody and they're talking about like, wow, I've had this fever for about three days Okay, it gets a little bit more serious, all right? So you might take something else out, okay, to be protective, okay? You know, how deep you have to go into the territory depends on what you got to be prepared for, right? So, you know, you've seen on Facebook and probably on some different news reports where people are are making things to even be able to hug different people all in plastic. You you know, you have to make choices of how you're going to get through this. Well, you know, it really gets serious depending on how you feel about that particular item, that particular circumstance in your life. It's very much like the Bible. You know, we've been going through and we've been listening to the the message here, and we make choices about our relationship with God and His Word. You know, we may hear it, we may think, you know, a little bit about it, and it's like we may go on about our life and we may try to uh, kind of focus on what we've heard through His Word, but then we may forget it. We may hear it a little bit more. We may try to work on a particular thing in our, in our lives. Dads, we may try to work on, okay, what have I got to do to really uh, teach my children to go in the right way? Uh, how am I supposed to really love my wife? And we may hear those things. We may pick and choose what we want to do. We may pick and choose which one we think is more serious than the other. We make choices every day. When uh, wives, when you hear some of these verses, you know, uh, sometimes it can be very convicting, but God's word, that's what it does. It convicts us. And then we sometimes pick and choose. We may say, well, I do this and I do that, but I'm not going to do these and I'm not going to do that. And we make the choices of how serious we think the situation is and what God's word is really teaching us. But then we get to that person like behind us uh, or we're behind them and they're in front of us and they're talking about it. They're like, well, you know, I've had this fever about three days. And it's like, okay, it's really serious, all right? And, you know, uh, uh, several of the places, you know, have been taking out thermometers, you know, and checking your temperature before you go into, into their establishment. And I was thinking about that. Very much how we choose to really pay attention to God's Word and how serious it is. You know, if somebody has a, a fever, we're going to be a lot more covered and bathe ourselves in more protection if we're going to get around someone that's, that has a fever, all right? Well, in God's Word, as we sit here and reread, how serious are we taking God's Word on every single point? And I was thinking about temperature, and, and, and I've, I've done this with the kids before in our relationship with God and, and God's Word. You know, if we took a thermometer and we said, you know, how, how well are we doing? Okay, there's always these standards. We've got standards of what we're supposed to do out in public right now. God gives us standards 
okay? It's his standards. Well, how do we relate to these standards? Where do we measure up on this? So <clears throat> with the kids, I've used a thermometer before, and I said, okay, what if this was a spiritual thermometer? And we took your spiritual temperature. How well are you doing? Are you cold toward God's word? Are you lukewarm to God's word? Maybe warm, you do some things. Or is your spiritual temperature really high because you're really taking God's word seriously and you're really trying to do what God's word says? Kids, how are you doing? You know, are you obeying your parents? Are you listening? Are you causing problems within the home and your relationship with your parents? Wives. How are you treating your husband? Husbands, how are you treating your wives? What would be your spiritual thermometer reading if we took this and went and measured everybody's spiritual temperature? It's something that I think about all the time. You know, uh, you know what God's Word says about lukewarm Christians, okay? How serious do I take God's Word? How serious do you take God's Word? Which ones do you choose to do? Which ones do you choose to ignore? Because every one of them is important. And we're all at different stages in our Christian walk. Some of us may have gotten other things. We're closer to God and we're doing better on these things. And other things we're, we're not that good at. We, we've still got some perfection to go. And uh, aren't we thankful for God's grace? That he loves us so much to give us that grace and extend it to us. And sometimes he gives us a little bit longer to work on our spiritual temperature. All right, love you. I venture a guess to say it's probably the first time in the past two months that somebody's told you it's good for your temperature to be high, right? <laughs> but it absolutely is. It's the absolute truth. And that's the question I want to leave you. I want to leave you with, with two, two things. First of all, Jim touched on this, and, and I, I've said it. None of us are able to do this on our own. It takes the grace of God to be able to do this. But then where is your temperature? What is your temperature spiritually? I mean, whether you're a, a father a husband and father, or just a husband without kids, or a wife, mother, a child in the home, or, or you're single. Maybe you're waiting on that, that significant other, that special someone. Maybe you're called to be single. Are, are, you, are you filling the role that God has given you? Are you following Christ? Because, again, the context here is a, a, a Christian home. People, a husband, a wife, that has, have chosen, first and foremost, to accept Christ, to, to come to Christ and accept Him as Lord and Savior of their lives. And then second, has chosen to come after Christ and to follow His plan for their lives. And so, as you can imagine, over the next however long, our time of commitment is going to be a good bit different. We won't be having an invitation like we normally have. And, and so this is what is going to look very similar to what you've seen from home, all right? You know, maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching from home and, and, and you, your temperature is not what it should be. None of our temperatures are, spiritually speaking, but maybe something's jumped out. Maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you need to accept 
the gift of salvation. Maybe you're not where you should be spiritually and you want to know how to get to where you need to be. You know Christ, but you're not following him as Lord of your life in terms of letting him call the shots in your life. You're not the husband you're called to be or the father or the mother or, or whatever. And I just want to share with you, those of you that are here, here's how you can respond today. If, if, if you are called to accept Christ, all you have to do is pray and confess your sins. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Ask him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins. But if there's another decision you need to, to make, um, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing I've been asking you to do over the past two months. There, there is a contact slide that's come up that just gives you uh, the, the church contact information. That email address is, is key, info at wallhighway.com. Let me encourage you, uh, send an email. I will get that. Um, it will be sent to me, and I will respond to you wherever you are. Um, if you're watching at home, you can message on Facebook, but you can use that email address. You can call the church office, but why wait? Email. Send, that, send a message, and let us, let us talk to you about where you are and what you need to do, uh, what God may be calling you to do. Maybe you just want information about the church. You can send an, an email to that. I'm not going to be greeting folks in the same way that I have. We're not filling out cards. We're not passing anything out. Um, send an, an email to that, and I'll set up a Zoom meeting with you so that I can talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. And maybe you just want information. And, of course, this is the time in our service where typically we would have our offering, um, and, and we're not doing that the same way that we were. You will be able to do that on your way out. Um, I encourage you, uh, we'll have uh, some stations set up to do that, a couple places, um, uh, some offering plates or something where you can drop that out on your way out, or you can continue to do that online as we've been doing, online giving. Uh, you can do bill pay, you can mail your check in. Uh, we're going to be operating this way for a while. It may forever change the way we do our time of commitment. And of course, I'm not going to go into every detail every Sunday, but, but until we kind of get used to operating this way, this is how we're going to do it. But we're also going to close with the time of prayer. Um, and and this, is, this is how we're going to conclude our service today. Now, for those of you that are with us here physically, uh, let me give you a couple of instructions before uh, you leave after we get done praying, and this will finish our time online for those that are joining us online. But let's just, let's just go before the Lord in prayer and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and to teach us, to tell us, to show us how we need to respond uh, to God's Word this morning. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word and we thank you that your word is truth, that your word is 100% accurate in all that it says. And even those areas that we may not understand, Lord, you bring us along and you teach us and you mold us and you shape us. And Father, I pray that you would do that today. Wherever we are in our life's journey, whether we're married, single, a child in the home, a teenager, uh, whatever the case may be, I pray that we would allow your word to be the thermometer that tells our spiritual temperature. Show us where we fall short. Show us what we need to allow you to do in our lives to get us where we need to be, to fulfill the role that you've given us in our lives. As we attempt to live in a world, as followers of Christ, as we attempt to live in a world the way that you would have us to live, in a world that's different than we've ever known, Show us the areas of our life that we need to grow. Help us to depend on you, to submit to you in those areas so that we can grow. Maybe there's somebody here today or watching from home who doesn't 
know you as Lord and Savior, and you're telling them right now that they need to accept you as, Jesus, as Lord and Savior and to follow you as Lord of their lives, to accept the gift of salvation, that beautiful, sacrificial, selfless gift. All of this begins, all of what we've talked about today begins with accepting you as Lord. And wherever we are, Lord, speak to us in our situation. Show us what we need to do. Help us to be obedient to your call on our lives. Lord, we thank you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. For those of you watching, thank you for joining us. I pray that you have a wonderful afternoon.